to you today on this simple subject of shake it off. Everyone say shake it off. Say it again. Say shake it off. Oh, good. You committed that time. It wasn't halfway in and halfway out. Uh, one day a farmer's donkey fell into an abandoned well. And the animal cried uh, uh, piteously for hours as the farmer tried to bring uh, to figure out a way to get the mule out or the donkey out. And finally he decided the animal was old and that uh, the well, need, uh, well needed to be recovered, uh, need to be covered up anyway. So he just thought, well, I'll just bury my donkey in this well and let it, let it die. And, and he invited all of his neighbors to come over and help him. And they each grabbed a shovel and they began to shovel dirt into the well and releasing, realizing that uh, what was happening, the donkey first cried and wailed horribly. Then a few shovelfuls later, he quietly, he quieted down completely. And the farmer peered down into the well and was astounded by what he saw. With every shovelful of dirt that hit the donkey's back, he amazingly would just shake it off. And then he would step on a new layer of dirt as the farmer's neighbors continued to shovel dirt on top of the animal. He would literally just shake it off and he would step up. Pretty soon, the donkey stepped up over the ledge of the well and trotted off to the shock and the astonishment uh, of all the neighbors. Can I tell you this? Life is going to shovel dirt on you at times. All kinds of dirt. Uh, the trick is getting out of the well is to not let it bury you, but to shake it off and to step up each time. And each of our troubles is a stepping stone in our lives. How many have been through some stuff? How many have been through some stuff in here? How many have walked through some tough, tough situations? Amen. Uh, and, and many of you are here because of God. But And many of you, you know, you feel like the dirt of life, the, the, the weight of, of sin, the weight of situations have come over you. Can I tell you something? You just need to shake it off and keep stepping up, all right? Uh, so I want to talk to you on this subject of shake it off. And if you have your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. And I've got two translations here, and I don't know if you have both of them back there, but uh, I'm going to be reading out of two different uh, translations. Actually, one's more of a paraphrase than a translation, but Second uh, Corinthians, ch uh, or yeah, Second Corinthians chapter one, verses three through five. When you got it, say I got it. If you don't got it, you can look up here on the screen. Uh, I want to encourage you to bring your Bible because Wednesday night during our Bible study, our projector decided to mess up on us, and guess what? Only those that brought their Bibles were able to tell what was going on. So uh, I want to encourage you to do so. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 through 5, it says this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. How many know Jesus as the source of all comfort? Amen. He comforts us in all our troubles. Let me read that again. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. The Lord comforts us so that we may what? Comfort others. And when, and when they are troubled, we will, be we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You are blessed to be a blessing. 
Are you catching, are you catching this? You are blessed to be a blessing. Verse 5 says this. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Now, I'm going to read this again, but I'm going to read this out of uh, the message, which is more of a paraphrase. I wouldn't even, it would, uh, it's almost a commentary. It's not really a direct line for line trans- translation of the Bible. But I like the way this reads. And all praise to God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy. God of all healing counsel, he comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who, bring, uh, who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that Two, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, God, I ask, Lord, that you would anoint this word today, God. I pray, Lord, that you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary today. God, let the words that come from my mouth be from you and you only. God, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, touch lives, God. Lord, you would stir hearts this morning like only you can. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. A.W. Tozer, and I've used this quote a lot. I've used it on Wednesday night. Uh, is is this? It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until He has hurt him deeply. And I know that's a tough tough statement to say. And, and let me translate to you what that exactly means. It means you are going to have to go through some stuff to be used by God. You're going to have to go through some stuff to be used by God. Think about many of the, of the Old Testament people in the Bible. They went through some stuff so God could use them. You're hearing their stories because they went through some things. Were they happy when they were going through those things? Probably not. But did God prevail and God bless them? Yes. So uh, you, may, you may have to go through some failures. You may have to go through some setbacks. And you may have to go through some defeats. And can I tell you something? When you go through those things, they're not for your glory, but they're for the Lord's. They're for the Lord's. So there are two things. There's two principles I want to point out here. And these are non-negotiable prerequisites of being used by God. Who wants to be used by God in the house? All right. These are two prerequisites that you're going to have to know and you're going to have to be to be used by God. Here's number one. Compassion for people. Compassion for people. Compassion is this, the definition. Sympathetic, pity, and concerns for the misfortunes and sufferings of others. And this is what I know. Compassion, it does this. It fuels acts of kindness and mercy. When you have compassion on someone, you're moved by their situation, and you step in and you do something about it. Reminds me of my my kids when they were little, and they would fall, and they would scrape their knee you know what? They would be in pain, but in compassion, I would go down and I would grab them and we would clean that wound and put a Band-Aid on it. And it would be all better. Ain't that right, Wyatt? Compassion is a form, is a form of love. It, 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 it is aroused within us when we are confronted with those who suffer or, or are vulnerable and maybe going through something. Compassion often produces actions to alleviate the suffering. 
As a parent, we all know that. I, I know I made that example. When our kids hurt, we hurt. When, you're, when something happens to your kids and you don't know how to fix them, you hurt. I'll never forget the day that I, um, on Father's Day, I, I, all my stories are Wyatt because he's just easy, he's an easy target. On Father's Day one year, when Wyatt was two years old, we went and we got uh, ice cream at an ice cream shop. And it was near a parking lot. And Wyatt, being two years old, was rambunctious and running around. And when he ran towards the street, I was reaching for him to grab him. And when I got a hold of his arm to stop him, he dropped all his weight. And when he did, he got nursemaid elbow. Does anybody know what that is? Where, where it, it pulls your arm out of socket. And me being the great dad I was, I didn't realize I pulled his arm out of socket. He was crying, and I thought he was just being Wyatt. Because he didn't get his way. And I'm like, here, Tristan, take care of him. And, and, and so in doing so, I didn't realize what was going on. And, and he kept crying and crying and crying. We're like, okay, we're leaving. So we get in the car. We're going home. And we went over a railroad track. And thank goodness for mom's intuition because dad just thought he was just being a little overdramatic. And we went over a railroad track. And we hit a bump. And... And Wyatt just began to cry and cry and cry. And Tristan said, turn around, we're going to the hospital. Something's wrong with him. And I said, okay. And what, what a great day for Father's Day, taking your kid to, to the emergency room, finding out you pulled their arm out of socket. Greatest Father's Day ever. But Tristan had a, had a line of compassion there that I missed that day. And he's all right. He's got use of his arm. It all worked out. It all worked out. But Jesus, he responded with compassion with many people. He had compassion on a blind man. He had compassion on the crowd when he fed them. And he told uh, of the compassion of the father to the prodigal son. And Jesus responded with compassion. Amen. And God has called his church. This isn't my church. This is his church. And that's you and that's me to rise up in this time of uncertainty and to be moved with compassion for people. Amen? Simply put, uh, I love this. Our, our text tells us that God gives us compassion so we can, in return, give the same compassion to others that God has given us. God blesses us so we can, in return, bless others. Remember, uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 31 tells us to love our neighbors as our selves how many love yourself how many love yourself all right uh, most people uh, most most people you, you're too modest to raise your hand I don't love myself but let me tell you something if I took a picture of this church right here right now if I took a picture of this church and was to put it on the big screen you know who you would look for first you Say, oh, do I look good in that picture? Oh, pastor, take that picture down. It's not a good picture of me, right? So don't tell me you don't love yourself. It's easy to love ourselves, but can I tell you something? It's harder to love other people the same way that we love ourselves. Here's the second thing that, that, that Christ has told us is this. We have to have compassion for people. Here's the second thing to be used by God. Confidence in God. Verse 4 in our text says, he comforts us in all troubles. Confidence in God is a learned trait as a believer. You know what? 
I learned this as I walk with the Lord. Day by day, I'm learning to put my confidence in God in places that I didn't when I first started as a believer. Amen? Amen? All right, so we're learning to, to have confidence. And, and the more that I experience the Lord and the more that I realize that he is trustworthy and the more that I realize that he has my best interest at heart, the more I have confidence in him that no matter what trials in front of me, what situations in front of me, he is going to see me through. Amen. And, and so if you think about this, uh, when times are tough, we have to stop focusing on the storm or the situation in our lives, and we have to focus on what God has already done. A lot of us, when we're in a tough time, we just want to focus on the tough time, but we don't want to think about how God brought us out of another tough time before that. But when we begin to focus on that, we begin to have a heart of gratitude and a heart of gratefulness and a heart of thankfulness. And, and when we do that, when we take inventory of where God has brought us from, we can't help but be confident and encouraged in him. And so, so we say that. So the word of God will feed your faith. Let me tell you something. You want to learn about God? You want to learn about his character? Open this book. Not mine. Open yours. All right? You can borrow mine if you need one. We'll get you one. But, but open this book. Learn about the character of God. Matter of fact, David in Psalms often referred, uh, uh, it referred to this. He encouraged himself. A lot of times if you, if you read any of the psalm that David wrote, he starts off, oh, I'm in a pit, God. He's just depressed. He's down. He's, he's, he's broken. And, and he encourages himself, and he starts where he's down and he's out, and he starts reminding himself about how good he is. And by the end of the psalm, he's like, God, you're going to see me through this. He encouraged himself. He had confidence in God. Psalms 27, uh, verse 11 through 13 says this. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Verse 12. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I, I've never done. With every breath that they threaten me with violence. Uh, verse 13. Yet I am Yet I am, yet I am, I will see the Lord's goodness. Come on, if you're going to do it, do it. I love that. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. What does that mean? Right now, I'm going to see the goodness of God. And I don't know about you, but I, boy, that gets, me, that gets me going right there. That's confidence in the Lord. In stormy times, God has called us to remain confident in him. Can I tell you something? God has not called you to be confident in the government. Shout me down, pastor. Right? God has not uh, called us to be confident in the laws or in elections or in philosophies, but confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we are a different people. We are the people of God. And our confidence doesn't come from government, doesn't come from anything out of Washington, but it comes from Jesus Christ. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and him alone. We are pilgrims passing through this land. That's good, Pastor. 
simply put, compassion for others and confidence in God. And I believe that God's given me a word, and I, uh, I'm not going to keep you long today. Uh, I promise I'm going to do my best not to keep you long today. And I, I believe that God's given me a word today that I think is going to be transformational for many of us. And I, I think that, that sometimes we, we get in the rut of, of spiritual our spiritual walk, and sometimes we need the Lord to come in and shake us, stir us up, remind us of, of, of where we're. And oftentimes the enemy will come in and he'll just put us in a rut. And wh- what is a rut? I've always heard this. A rut is just a grave with both sides kicked out, right? When we get in a rut, a spiritual rut, we're stuck in this place and we're not moving forward. Can I tell you something? This is what my prayer is today. Holy Spirit, stir your people. Stir your people. Uh, I want to look at this. I got three points, three points right here. Here's the first thing I want to talk to you about at uh, three points. So to be the prerequisites to be, be used by God. We're going to be talking about the Apostle Paul here in a moment where God used him in a miraculous way, in a mighty way. Look at this. Here's the number one point. Face the storm. Everyone say face the storm. John 16, 33 says this. says, I have told you all this so that you may have, uh, have peace in me. Where does our peace come from? The Lord, it doesn't come from us. I I mentioned that yesterday at the funeral. You know, the world tries to give us peace, but the world's peace is circumstantial to what the world gives. You got to do this to get this. You got to do this to this. Can I tell you about the peace of God? It's not circumstantial. It's dependent upon Jesus Christ. All right. So it says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. If you're going through a storm, Jesus is saying, you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Boom, there it is. You're going to have some trials. You're going to have some sorrows. Jesus said it. But look at this. But take heart because I have overcome this world. In Matthew 5.45, it says this, it rains on the just and the unjust. And sometimes bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. And that's just the way this world works. But God never said that we wouldn't go through situations. He didn't say once you were saved that, that all your trials and your situations would just disappear. But what God did promise us was this, that he would be with us. That he would be the peace to pull us through situations. Amen. In Acts chapter 27, it tells the story of Paul. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase this. I'm not going to be able to read all this. Uh, but, and there's 270 men. And Paul is a prisoner here. And they were in a storm. And they were uh, out on the sea for 14 straight days. Anybody ever been out in a storm in the sea for 14 straight days? Oh, man. God bless you guys. That's like one of my worst nightmares, being stuck at sea in the middle of a storm, right? And so these guys were out at sea for 14 straight days. There they are, bobbing and weaving. Just like a bobber, just floating out there, whichever way the wind's blowing, they're going. Uh, Bobbing up and down, prisoners, sailors, and Roman soldiers all caught in the same storm. Different people from different walks of life, all caught in the same storm. How many know sometimes different people from different walks of life were all walking through the same storm? 
some good, some bad, some indifferent, and all these different people. And just like us today, we're walking through that. Paul, but this is crazy. I, I love this because Paul, he didn't run from the storm. You know what? He turned. He turned and he warned the men because he had seen the, from the angel of the Lord. And he warned the men on the ship and said, hey, we're about to have a, a big storm here, so, but we're going to get through it, okay? So let's just face it. He faced the storm. And just like the world today, we are going to have to ride this ship and speak the truth to a lost and dying world. And it may feel like that we're rocking. And you may say, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Can I tell you something? Don't put your faith and confidence in, in this. But I want you to put your faith and confidence in God. And Paul didn't run. And understand that we may be heading for a a hard wreck or and, and what's ahead and people are 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 and but here's the thing when we know that that situations are bad and Paul I mean he could understand he knew what was coming he knew things were about that weren't looking good and we can see those things but can I tell you something people are watching how we respond people are watching how the church responds to situations and sometimes we don't respond in a good way Sometimes our representation of Jesus is not very good at times. But here's what I know. We have to face the storm. We have to face the storm. We can't run from it. Here's number two. Told you I wasn't going to be too long today. But I've only got seven pages of notes on this second point, so it'll be good. I'm joking. I'm joking, okay? This is what happened in Acts chapter 28. Uh, here's the second point. Get to work. Everyone say, get to work. Oh, pastor, you had me till you said that. Get to work, right? Get to work. After 14 days of bobbing in the storm, they make it to the shore in the form of a wreck. Oh, isn't that, isn't that like the Lord? He, he pulled them through. They went through some tough things. And, Lord, it would be really nice if we could just have a nice soft landing into the, the beach, nice sandy, and just cruise in and be able to get off and just get our feet wet to here. No, 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 ship's falling apart. You guys figure it out. Big wreck there. And, and has life ever overwhelmed you? Have you ever been overwhelmed by life that you were hanging on to what you felt like there was a wreckage of your life and you're seeing your life and going, uh, I'm just trying to keep my head above the water, right? And maybe it's financial ruin or maybe it's a broken relationship or maybe it's uncertainty of your future. Charles Swindoll said this, that life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% how you respond. And I think we act the other way, and we make it about 90% of what's happening to us and 10% how we respond. Look at this. In Acts chapter 28, Paul gives an example, gives us an example of how us, the church, should respond to situations and trials. I, I love this. So there they are. They're floating out at sea. They, uh, Paul tells them, hey, hey, we're going to get through this, but we're gonna be, it's going to be tough. And before they wreck, he even tells them, hey, you guys need to eat. You guys need to get your strength up because we're going to be swimming for a minute, okay? Take, take it easy before they wreck. And, and, and so he, he does that. But God, I love how God begins to use Paul. And then through this, when they wreck, they're, they're all running. And the, the guards are trying to keep them uh, where they're all together. But they're all, every person on that ship survived. 
Every person on that ship survived. It's, it's amazing to me. So look at this. In, in Acts 28, Paul gives this example of how us, the church, should respond to situations and trials. Uh, they all make it to the shore, and Paul does something crazy after 14 days at sea. He gets there, and the locals are there. And they know that these guys have been in a shipwreck, and they start building fires. And what does Paul do? He gets busy gathering firewood. I don't know. I don't know if he was forced to do it. I don't know if they told him he had to do it or die or whatever the case. But he didn't sit on his hands. See, the natives, uh, the, the, they started building fires for all the men. And I think as the church, we have become accustomed to being served and entertained that we have missed the, this element of the truth. We are more accustomed to sit next to the fire that someone else has stoked for us rather than to go grab some wood and stoke it with them. See, a lot of people say this, it's not my job to do that. That's your job, Pastor. It's your job to meet my needs. It's why I come in here on Sunday morning because I need, I need to sit beside the fire. I need that to be stoked. I'll come enjoy the fire of this Sunday, but, but don't expect me to contribute to the fire. And I say this, God forgive us. I say, God forgive us for, for even thinking that way and being that way. We go all week. And, and, and we, we go all week without stoking the fire of prayer, oftentimes. Whew. I'll just depend on the prayer team to take care of my, my needs. So I, I, don't, I don't need responsibility with that. But what I, like, what I like about what Paul does is he gets out and he gets busy and he starts gathering wood. Whether he was told to or not, he just gets busy doing things and he is meeting someone else's need. After 14 days of being stuck at sea, I tell you what, I probably would have been throwing up on the beach from bobbing up and down. I quit, Lord. This is tough. We go week in and week out without stoking the fire of prayer. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you prayed for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? I know, that's a tough question. When was the last time you prayed that the Holy Spirit would break every chain in your life? someone else's life ah, it's quiet in here I don't know we've become so comfortable by the fire you say this oh TJ you don't understand this I, I, I've, I've been going through I, I have anxi my anxieties up my, my job isn't paying the bills and, and I'm worried about the situation in our country I have all these other things that I don't have time to help stoke the fire listen there's a spiritual application here in Paul's life that he's doing. He, 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 had, he could have complained about everything that was happening. He could have said, God, this is not fair. I'm in prison, number one, and I'm also shipwrecked, and I had to be out at sea for this many, and I haven't been eating good, and now I'm stuck on this, this island out here in the middle of nowhere, and now i got to gather firewood. Complain, 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 right? This week, I must say this, all right? God has not called you to occupy a pew, but he's called you to stoke the fire. This week, I was reminded of that. I, had, I was getting my oil changed, and while I was waiting to get my oil changed, I, I got a phone call from a friend, and he called me, and he just, he said, I, 
I just need to talk to you. And I said, okay, what, what's going on? And, and he began to just, just tell me, and he, there's a lot of situations. He said, I, I just need you to pray, and I need, I, need, I, need to, I need to get this off my chest, and I need, I need to d- ask you, you know, what, what you thought of this and that. And I just began to encourage, and I just began to love on him. And, and, and I just said, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And then I, I got off the phone with him two days later, which I don't typically do this, but I called him back, and I said, hey, I'm checking on you. I want to tell you I love you. I want to tell you I'm praying for you. I'm going to tell you you're not in this battle alone, but there's someone here in Bedford, Indiana, who is praying and holding you up in prayer, stoking the fire. And Paul does the most selfless thing here, and he lands and he gets to work. Rather than warming by the fire, he is feeding the fire. He's meeting someone else's need. You know what that is? Compassion. When you pray for someone else, I, I, say, I said this on a couple Wednesday nights ago. It, praying for someone else is the most selfless thing you can do. Beginning to, to lift them up in prayer. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying the one of the, if, you can, if the church would learn to have compassion and learn to pray for people again and learn to, to build up people again, man, we would have revival like, like we've never seen. Compassion for others, loving his neighbor. That's what Paul was doing. And he's walking up and down the beach grabbing sticks and planks to feed the fire to provide some warmth for someone else. You know what's cool about that? When you provide uh, warmth for someone else, when you begin to do that, guess what? You're also providing warmth for yourself as well. Here's the third point. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Here's the third point right here. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Come on, worship team, hurry. Shake it off. Everyone say shake it off. While Paul is gathering sticks in the, pro- in the process of gathering sticks, and he's putting them in the fire, Scripture tells us in Acts 28 that fire is stirred, and there's a snake or a viper in, in there, and the viper comes up and bites Paul on the hand. How many love snakes in their house? Oh, man. Well, you know what? The altar is open right now. No. <laughs> I don't like snakes. I don't like snakes at all. I, me and snakes, they're good over there. I'm good over here. You stay in your world. I'll stay in my world. Let's not cross paths if at all possible. You keep the rodents down. You keep all that. I'm good with that. You do your job. I'll do my job. As long as you don't come over here, I won't beat you with a bat. All right? But it's important to understand something. Listen, in the midst of stoking the fire, listen, listen to me. There's a spiritual truth here. There's a spiritual application. In the midst of stoking the fire, in the midst of trying to stoke the fire, can I tell you something? The viper strikes. When you begin to increase your prayer life, when you begin to start praying for your marriage, when you begin to start praying for that person that's sick, when you start to become dedicated to God, when you begin to stoke the fire, the enemy doesn't like it, and he begins to strike. He wants to cause confusion. He wants to cause all kinds of heartache. And in the middle of you doing good, why is it? Why is it in our lives that when we, when we are trying to do right, when we're trying to get our lives straight, it seems like it's the hardest because the enemy knows you're gaining ground. 
and he's throwing everything at you he's got to get you discouraged, to get you to quit. Oh, what he doesn't want you to do is show up to Bible study. What he doesn't want you to do is show up to prayer meeting. What he doesn't want you to do is to dedicate your life and to put investment into the Lord. And when you start doing those things, he strikes. And it's important to understand that when the fire is hot, the snake strikes. You can play. Go ahead. And when the enemy sees the fire of the Holy Spirit being stoked by the people of God, he responds by. He has to attack. It's true. You want to know why when it, you, why it's so hard to do the right thing when you're doing the right thing? The enemy knows, hey, all I got to do is just, just mess them up for just a moment. Get them off track. And the enemy's desire is this. Scripture tells us is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Scripture says, Jesus came that you may have life and life more abundantly. And oftentimes the process of serving others, the enemy will attack you the greatest. He'll attack your mind. Oh, they're not grateful for what you do. They're, they, you know, oh, oh, your spouse will never love you. No, oh, look, look at how she responded. You, you were, you were kind to her. You made her breakfast in bed, and she doesn't, she didn't even eat it, or, they, or whatever. He'll, he'll start to play with your mind. Look at this. Look what happens here. He's bitten the hand in Acts chapter twenty-eight. Chapter tells us he does this. He shakes the viper off. I would have, I would have, I would have killed that viper. I'm just saying, that's just me. But here's the, here's the thing. Can I tell you this? Mm. You're, uh, listen, you're about to get a, a, a real spiritual truth here. You're about to get a real spiritual truth here. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you out. Listen to this. God has not called you to square up with the enemy. He's given you authority. All you have to do is say, not today, Satan. Shake it off. Nope, not going to think that way today. Nope, not going to let that discourage me today, devil. Nope, not going to think that way. Not going to lose this battle to you. Nope. Does it say Paul got a rock or a stick and killed the snake? I would have. But he shook it off in the fire. And I'm here to say something to you. Listen to me. Listen to me carefully. I want to say this to you prophetically. <laughs> Some of you have tried to fight the enemy with your own physical power. With yourself. When God's just saying this, if you'll just shake him off, he'll be consumed by the fire. Look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. It says this, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Stop trying to do it in your flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, for shaking off the attacks of the devil. Verse 5, casting down arguments. Casting down arguments. No, devil, we're not going to go there today. 
and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Devil, I'm shaking it off. Paul's bitten by a poisonous snake, and he shakes it off in the fire. And, and the locals there, check this out. I, I'm, I'm bringing just a little more application here. The locals there, they, they know this viper. They know this snake. And when they see Paul's bitten by that, they're like, oh, he must have been a murderer. He made that, he, he lasted on the sea, but now he's going to die. He must have been a murderer. And when Paul doesn't die, they look at him and they're like, man, what is going on? But check this out. I want to show you something. Many of them, the locals, they knew that snake. Many of them may have, may have experienced family deaths from people being bit by that snake. Can I tell you something? People are watching how you respond to spiritual attack in your life. People are watching you, and they're, they're looking at you. And listen, there's a people, and maybe in, their, in your life, in this segment of your life, who are watching you, and they're watching how you are going to respond. Are you going to shake it off? Just put your confidence and your trust in God so they could see the goodness of God. How many want that in your life today? The world is watching you. The world is watching the church. And listen, the world is watching our response to everything that's going on. Let me tell you something. We need to shake it off. We can't fight it in our own power, but we can say, God, our confidence is in you, Jesus Christ, and you alone, Lord. Bow your heads with me all across this building. Why was Paul confident? Why was Paul confident? The angel of the Lord appeared to him on the ship before it wrecked. Told Paul not to fear because he would stand before Caesar for trial. So that means no matter what was ahead of him, whatever happened, he knew he was going to get to the place that God had told him. Many of you have been given dreams. Many of you have been called, and many of you have allowed situations, whether it be a shipwreck or whether it be a snake biting you to distract you and to get you off course. Can I tell you today, today is the day of course correction, and this is the time. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to, to, to just bear with me just a moment here. The Holy Spirit's moving in this place right now. Many of you, many, many, many of you need to respond to the Holy Spirit. Many of you need to be free from the, from the, from the pain. And many of you res have responded to the, to the bite of the enemy. And today is your day. I want to do this. I'm going to open up these altars this morning. You're here and you say, hey. Man, I feel something in my heart, TJ. You know what that is? That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit dealing with you. That's the conviction of, uh, uh, of the Lord speaking to you. He loved you enough to not let you stay the way you are. He, he has a purpose. He has a plan for you. And many of you have been walking in, in depression. Many of you have been walking uh, in, in, in anxiety. And many of you have been walking in fear. And today is the day. Hey, devil, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to shake it off. No one looking around. I want you to respond to what God is doing to you right now. You say, hey, hey, man, that's a tough situation to make me have to go up front. Listen, do it in faith. Do it in faith. I promise you, if you come up here, we'll have people come up and pray around you. You will not be alone. I promise you.
We're not going to ask you what your situation is. If you want to share that with us, that's fine. But I want to give you a chance to respond to what God has for you. How many would say, hey, pastor, I want to shake it off today. I want to shake off the attack of the enemy. I don't want to be weary and well-doing. I want to show compassion to people. But I want to show my confidence in God. So God, so, so you say, hey, pastor, I want the Lord to help me today. Because I feel like I'm, I'm weary from, from being out on the sea. And I'm weary because I feel like the viper is attacked. I feel like I've lost my confidence. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Come on. There's more that need to respond today. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm going to open these altars. I'm going to ask some of my board members. Come down. Find someone to pray with. I, I need some prayer warriors. I need some prayer warriors to come down. Come on.